Thanks, Alyssa and Dennis. Beautiful prayer, um, one that is apt for all of us. Thank you all for leading us. Many of you know that, uh, that I teach a course at a local university uh, about the introduction to biblical studies, and um, I get all sorts of different students in these courses. Uh, some are obviously committed believers, uh, but others are not, and, and many have, are even hardened towards the matters of faith and could care less and just have to do it because it's a class that they have to take. Uh, but it never fails that when we go through the Old Testament and when they get to the book of Proverbs, they are blown away. Uh, whatever uh, hardened hearts that exist uh, tend to melt away because they get to the book of Proverbs and they realize that something that was written thousands and thousands of years ago uh, have incredible application to their lives even today. And often they are really blown away. So for the next couple months, uh, we're going to look at the wisdom literature of Scripture, and specifically this month, we're going to look at this book of Proverbs. And I'm going to I'm going to issue a challenge as well. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs until today is July 1st. So read one chapter of the book of Proverbs uh, each day of this month, and I think you'll find uh, that it'll have incredible application uh, on your lives as well. So this morning I'd like to read uh, from Proverbs uh, chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading from verses 1 to 15. This is God's word. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for their power. We're thankful that uh, you promise that when we read, when we meditate on them, uh, that your spirit speaks through uh, them to our hearts to shape and mold us into your image. So we pray that we would see Christ this morning and that your scriptures would make us more and more like him. We pray all this in his name. Amen. As I mentioned uh, before, uh, this past, at least the second half of this past week, I spent uh, helping out uh, at middle school camp. And if you know me, uh, you know that I was a youth director for a long time uh, before we planted City Church. Uh, So I've been to dozens of middle school camps over the year, Uh, but I I quickly realized that I was out of practice uh, once I arrived this week. 
but this week felt a little different to me, um, and the reason was, I, I, again, I've taken uh, hundreds of students to middle school camps over the years, um, uh, but this year was different because this was the first year that I went as a father, and I was a dad who was there uh, with my son, and I got to view this, this camp experience through his eyes. And I walked away with a greater appreciation of it because I realized that, that there was another voice now speaking into the life of my son, speaking truth, speaking matters of faith, and matters of wisdom to him. And it was so encouraging for me to see the community of faith come alongside uh, the youngest children that we have in our church, communicating the faith to them, communicating the wisdom of life to them, and it really just warmed my heart. Now, the book of Proverbs, like I mentioned before, is wisdom literature, and along with the book of Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon uh, and Job, they they form this wisdom literature that exists uh, in the Old Testament. But the point of all of these books is to communicate wisdom to the younger generation. And that's why this particular passage starts out with these words, my son... If you receive my words. And it isn't, it isn't just necessarily a, a father writing to his son, but it captures this idea of the older generation speaking to a younger generation. You see, in the ancient world, uh, the older generation would feel an overwhelming burden or an overwhelming concern to, to communicate wisdom and truth to the younger generation. And the younger generation would look to that older generation to gain all sorts of wisdom. Uh, they weren't viewed as our culture sometimes does. Uh, the older generation wasn't viewed as antiquated. They weren't uh, put out of pasture as those that were out of touch. Instead, the younger generation would, would seek out their wisdom and experience. And once they gained that, they would cherish it. They would seek after it and seek to apply it to their lives. And so what, what becomes a key theme uh, that instantly emerges as you look at all of this wisdom literature in the Old Testament is an image of two paths. And you see this in our passage. And essentially what they're all saying is, is that, that we are all confronted with two paths. We can choose the path of wisdom or we can choose the path of foolishness. It's saying that there is a wise way for us to live life. There is a wise path for us to follow. From it comes knowledge. From it comes understanding. Verse 7, and it becomes a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. And so Proverbs beautifully pictures this wise path, but it also pictures a foolish path that humanity can walk upon. Verse 13, these are those who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways." If you study it longer, you discover that that the path of the foolish one is the path of the practical atheist, 
of one who lives life as if God doesn't exist and God doesn't matter. So what the wisdom literature does is it provides us with a choice. I always think of, of Robert Frost's poem that says, Two roads diverged in the woods, and I took the one less traveled, and that has made all the difference. He's, he's really channeling his inner proverbs when he wrote that, that there is a wise path to life and a foolish path as well. One of those paths leads to life, and the other path is one that leads to destruction. Now, friends, as we think about it, we have to examine our lives whenever we look at this this wisdom literature. And as we examine our lives, we realize that each day, all of us are confronted with an infinite number of choices, and we often go through life just making choices, not thinking a whole lot about it. But what we also realize is that we're confronted with a lot of choices that require a tremendous amount of of wisdom. And often, if you're like me, you don't always feel like you have the wisdom you need to answer some of these big questions. When I think of these big questions, I think of, of things like, uh, who do I choose to marry? Or if I'm a college student, what, what, what am I choosing to major in? How am I to set the trajectory of my life? What sort of job should I choose? Or what sort of path should I walk on with my education? For those of us that are parents, we realize that almost every day we are required to have a certain measure of wisdom that we just don't feel like we have. And so these big questions come up in life from time to time, revealing our own inadequacies and making us want and search after wisdom. With each of these questions, there is a choice to be made, a wise choice or a foolish one. And so one of the questions we also often asked ourselves is, is, We've already made a lot of choices in our life, so how do we determine what path are we on? Have we, how do we determine if we are on this kind of wise path that Proverbs talks about, or, or are we on the foolish path that it talks about? And, and one of the reasons that it's good to ask that question is one of the Proverbs that's in chapter 14, it says this, that there is a way that seems right to a man— But its end is the way of death. So we have to consider these things. We have to consider what God means when he talks about wisdom. What is it that God is actually talking about when he uses this word wisdom? Now, we all know that wisdom is different than just intelligence, In fact, often wisdom is intelligence uh, plus experience and all sorts of things because we all know people that are really intelligent but lack a whole lot of wisdom. I don't know if you've ever read anything uh, about uh, Albert Einstein, but he was a classic example of one who had all sorts of intelligence but probably lacked a certain measure of wisdom in his life. 
If you read his story, he, he dropped out of high school. He regularly cut class. And he, he had a series of really um, unwise choices in relationships in his life. So we, we can't equate intellect with wisdom. In fact, uh, there was a, a sociologist named Daniel Goleman. And, and he did a, a study comparing intellectual quotient, that, that idea of IQ, with what he called emotional intelligence or EQ. And when he talked about this idea of EQ, he was really starting to scratch at what the Bible calls this idea of, of wisdom or even emotional intelligence. Because wisdom deals with our experience. It brings all sorts of things to bear. It, it, it brings our will into the equation, our emotions, our intellect, our responses. In effect, it brings all of us to bear or it brings all of us to the table when we make decisions about how we live our lives. And so what, what the book of Proverbs does is it begins to hint at a definition from the very beginning of our passage. Verse 1, again, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you. If you were paying attention to the passage, it's a big if then. It says, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, then these things will happen. And the big piece of the ifs is the commands and the words. You see, he isn't talking here about man-made or fabricated rules or commandments. What he's doing is he's talking about the commandments that are given to us by God. In fact, what, what the starting point of wisdom is really God's revelation. It's his revealing to us his will, his commandments, and his covenant. And cherishing those things is the beginning of what wisdom is all about. In fact, one of the reasons, if you look at the Old Testament particularly, one of the reasons God gives us all of these rules and commandments is not so much to be oppressive, even though there is an element of that, but they are given to us to show the way life was designed to be lived, to show us the path of wisdom. And so one of the things that we realize is that wisdom is an art. It isn't a formula that we can necessarily follow or something that we can study in a textbook or cram and then live a wise life. Instead, wisdom becomes this art of living skillfully according to God's design for us. And, and what this does is it also answers this question for us. Because the next question is, is, is if we understand there's a wise path and a foolish path, we begin to understand what wisdom is, then the question then becomes, well, how do I get it? What is the source of wisdom? How do I get this idea of wisdom? Where do I go for it? And verse 6 tells us very, very clearly, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. God is the ultimate source of true wisdom. Now, I think right now uh, in, our, in our kind of Western culture, 
uh, we live in a very unique cultural moment. Because if you study kind of culture and the movements of it all, you'll realize very quickly that the Western world is becoming increasingly secularized while the rest of the world is becoming more and more furiously religious. Now, what is meant by that is that the the Judeo-Christian tradition has really been the basis of Western culture for probably thousands and thousands of years. And what that means is, is that if you grew up in this kind of Western culture, you may or may not have been a follower of Jesus Christ, but you have to contend with the fact that at least the morality of Christianity has saturated our culture. For, for centuries, it has been the practice of people in the Western world to go to church on Sundays. And those people that went to church on Sundays may not have believed the doctrine. Uh, they may not have believed the truth of the gospel. But at least they were being reminded of the ethic and the morality of this Judeo-Christian tradition. They might not have gone to church for truth but they at least went to church to get the wisdom of God. But now we know our world is very different. Now we live in a culture that is becoming more secularized, and it often feels like because of that, our, our culture is like a, a uh, caught out to sea, a ship that's caught out to sea without any sort of compass. In fact, if we remove God, like we've done culturally, if we remove God as the source of wisdom, the big question then remains, what then becomes the source of wisdom in our world and in our culture? See, no longer is wisdom in our world defined by a relationship with God. Instead, what we find now is that each person decides what the wise course is for themselves. And what often happens is that wisdom becomes piecemeal. It becomes a little bit of this and a little bit of that, all brought together and internalized, meaning each person decides for themselves what the wise path is. And for many of us, that sounds really palatable, or at least in our culture, that becomes very attractive and very palatable. But we must, again, remember the words of Proverbs 14. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There is a way that many of us feel wise culturally, But in the end, it really is the path of foolishness. Uh, Von Rad, who's a, a, a commentator, said this about foolishness. And I thought it was apt to describe our culture today. Foolishness is a lack of order in a man's innermost being, a lack which defies all instruction. And so it's easy for us to look at our culture and see how so much of our world and culture has walked down the path of foolishness. What becomes a little harder for all of us is to face the fact that we also have an incredible propensity to walk down the path of foolishness as well. 
In fact, in our sin and rebellion, the Bible is as clear as it could be. In our sin and rebellion, each and every one of us play the fool. And so how do we know? How do we know if we are on the right path? Well, the key is to look at God's design and to evaluate our lives accordingly. But often when we do, what we realize, if we're honest with ourselves, is how often we don't live according to God's standard and according to God's design. About how often we are like verse 13. We have forsaken the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. And so in our sin, in our rebellion, what we realize is that each and every day we are the ones who walk the path of foolishness. We are the ones who play the fool. And so what do we do? What do we do with our sin? What do we do with our foolishness? Well, what the gospel calls us to do is this to look to Jesus Christ, who himself was wisdom personified. If you look at the the opening chapters of John's gospel, it describes Jesus as the word made flesh. And And that Greek word for word is the word logos, which has a very full meaning in the ancient world. It's hard to translate in some ways, but one of the ways that you could translate it is this, that Jesus was wisdom in the flesh, wisdom personified. But when you look at the life of Jesus, what you discover is that Jesus often demonstrated wisdom in very unlikely and unexpected ways. In fact, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 is is that, that what Jesus epitomized for us is the wisdom of God that looks like folly or foolishness to those that are in this world. And if you look at the path that Jesus walked, you looked at Jesus, who was the Word made flesh, you look and see his path, and his path was the path that took him not to one of glory, but to, to of the path of destruction. It took him on the path to the cross so that we, you and I, could be set on the path of life. You see, judging by the standards of this world, one would look to Jesus and say that is utter foolishness. But in actuality, what the gospel tells us is that that and that alone was the path to wisdom. And here's what is so important for us to see in the gospel. It's so important for us to see that the wise God was crucified as a fool so that we who are foolish can receive the blessings of the wise. Let me say that again. The wise God was crucified as a fool so that we who are foolish can receive the blessings of the wise. Think about the words of our passage where it says that he will be our shield. 
It says that he will guard over our path. It says that he will watch over you. And all those things can be true of us, not because we are worthy or because we were wise, but because Jesus Christ walked the path of judgment and destruction for you and for me. He walked the path of foolishness by the world's standards in order to epitomize to us what the wisdom of God really looks like. And so what becomes the step for us? How ought we to respond to this? Well, the passage tells us to pursue wisdom. Verse 3, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. It gives us image of passionately pursuing wisdom. And, And in fact, it even says passionately pursue it more than anything else, including the treasures of this world. Can you imagine if our culture pursued after wisdom as much as it pursued after treasure. What a different world we would live in. But what the writer is calling us to do is to desire wisdom, to pursue it, to yearn for it. But friends, the most truest thing we can recognize is this, that when we do that, when we desire for wisdom, when we pursue after it, when we yearn for it, what we ultimately realize is what we're doing is pursuing Jesus Christ himself. Because when you seek for wisdom, you find Christ. Let's pray.